cul-de-sac contemplating murder. Swerving with my circus, looking for a purpose. Pseudo clean record hope got Good day and welcome to another episode of Culper's Canteen Cup. As always, we want to thank everybody for listening, uh, including, according to Josh, the stupid listeners uh, that you will be pointed out uh, during this episode as we talk about preppers. Uh, But before we start and kick that off, I want to give a special shout out to Carlton Zeus. Thanks again, man, for letting us continue to use your music. Uh, Does does he even know that we're using his music still? Does he know that the podcast is actually still running? That might be why he hasn't pulled the the music, because he's not sure that we're still recording and, and still putting out episodes. But uh, anyway, be sure to check him out on Apple Music. Check him out at carltonzeus.com. So before we get into it, you know, it's been a little crazy. Obviously, the COVID stuff is out there. The coronavirus is still going on out there. And, and I think we all have our, our little take that, you know, we want to get off, get off, you know, off our chest to begin with. So, Josh, why don't, you, uh, why don't you kick us off and, you know, let us know what's going out there in your neck of the woods after you take your drink, please. Dude, this is really good. So, like I said, <laughs> it so, kills so, Corona. Yeah. It does. It does kill Corona. And if I no, no shit it. before you start, no shit. So I think there, dude, there needs to be a test on that because so no shit last year, my wife bought me an oyster shucking kit. It's got the chain mail, fucking gloves and a little knife or whatever. And so anyway, it's hard to find fresh oysters out here. Cause I live in, in the fucking desert, but Safeway had fresh oysters. They had like 18 of them. So I said, I wanted a dozen initially. So the guy pulls them out and he's like, uh, well, Hey man, some of these are dead. I'm like, Mm, well, why don't you just give me six of the live ones left? So I get six of them against my better judgment because I, I wanted some moisture. So I bring them home. Uh, I shuck six of them. I'm pretty sure two of them had salmonella. Uh, it's kind of like you know playing a little bit of Russian roulette. And I don't know. I don't even know if that's what you get from from oysters, but whatever's going to make you sick, you know, as far as uh, food poisoning goes. So I immediately after that I was like, uh, I think a couple of those might have been bad. So I drank two glasses, uh, two shots, basically, of E.H. Taylor, small batch, figuring that, hey, if there's anything in there, the alcohol is going to kill everything in my gut, uh, make it all normal. And uh, that was, what, two days ago? Now I'm still fine. So I, I think there's something to, uh, something being said for, for alcohol and, and being able to uh, purify uh, the bad stuff in our body. So anyway, before I cut you off, Josh, let me kick it back to you. Tell us what's going on in your neck of the woods. No, it's all good. And you're absolutely right. The alcohol will cut. We'll get into, uh, you know, alcohol and what kind and how much you should have later, uh, later, you know, in this, in this podcast series, uh, on, uh, on prepping. So no, so I'm drinking a, uh, new riff single barrel rye. Uh, it's pretty damn good. It's my second bottle of it and, uh, it's almost empty. And when it's empty, I'm going to be sad, but I'm driving, uh, we're driving to Kansas next week. So driving through Kentucky and a couple other states, so we'll uh, I'll have an opportunity to find some more. Um, other than that, man, it's uh, so, do, so we're trying to figure out what to do about the school situation. So the North Carolina governor came out yesterday, um, and if you don't know the North Carolina governor is this guy named Roy Cooper, who he I, I don't know that he knows he's the governor. He's kind of like Stacey Abrams. Um, he he well he knows he's the governor, but <laughs> he doesn't really know what he's doing. So they came out there, you know, North Carolina, bottom line, is not going to open up the the schools fully next month, basically in 30 days, 30, 40, yeah, 30, 40 days. So they decided that kids will go to school, you know, one to two days a week, and then it's up to the school districts to figure out the rest, right? They get to, you know, figure out whether you're going to do Monday, Tuesday, and then, you know, at home the rest of the week, or Monday, Wednesday, then the other 50% of the kids show up Tuesday, whatever. You know, and so, but high school students have to be present at the high at, the, at their school. They have to be physically present, 
in their class, if it's a technical class, so classes like shop, biology, JRTC, you know, stuff like that, they have to physically be present at school for, but they can't be there for the rest of the day for their classes. They have to go back, you know, they have to travel to the school and they go back home for the rest of their classes and do those online. And while, you know, some people be like, man, I would love to do online school. It's a little problematic when you have kids who can't drive themselves to and from school and you have parents that work full time. Right. How can I be at work at my job, you know, earning money to stay and support my family when I got to be at home to drive my kid to school for, you know, one class and go pick them up 55 minutes later. Like it does, like it just, it's a shit show. It doesn't make sense. Um, and the other, you know, the, the other kicker was when North Carolina became a mandatory mass state, right? You have to wear them everywhere you go. Uh, you know, there's a lot of dust up. You know, a lot of the sheriffs came out and said, we're not enforcing it unless a private business calls us and says, you know, somebody's not wearing a mask, um, then, you know, they'll come. But other than that, like, they're not doing it. Uh, there was one little town here in North Carolina that butts up against us. It was where our grocery store is, closest one anyway, that they were literally standing outside the Harris Teeter giving tickets to people not wearing masks. I was like, holy shit, man. Holy shit. Like, I, I, I bet you, you should be proud. You should be proud of your service. You should go home tonight and look at yourself in the mirror and be like, I'm making a difference. Whoa. Anyway. So when they came out with the executive order, it was like everybody basically above the age of 12 has to wear a mask, mandatory mask. And so the reasoning was kids 11 and under, it was a medical issue, a health issue for them to wear a mask, right? Because it makes them hard to breathe and, quote, their their respiratory systems are not fully developed, um, you know. And I was like, I don't know. Maybe it probably is by the time you're 11 years old. But maybe not. I don't know, right? I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a pulmonologist, whatever. Um, but – so they don't have to wear a mask unless you go to school. And even if you're socially distanced at school, you have to wear a mask. Even the kids 11 and under who they originally said don't have to wear a mask because it's a medical issue. So it's just like there's no consistent guidance. There's no it's just there, there's zero consistency to any of this. And when you couple it with all the other COVID nonsense and, you know, misinformation and coming out, you don't know what's right, what's not. And people are, you know, getting shot because they're not wearing masks and stuff. It's just it is absolutely fucking insane. I think Luke was talking about the COVID stuff earlier, you know, where he's at um, a lot worse than, you know, it is where you're at in Apache Junction. Um, I don't know. Luke. <laughs> yeah, I think how many did you say you had you guys had in the uh, in, in the ICU in the entire country, Luke? Two, two in the entire country, and in the neighboring country, I think there's six. And the neighboring country has about four times the population of where I am now. And I, you know, where I am now, it, it the the paradigm has been set, and I think the paradigm is set in the states too, which is, I, I guess, it's a combination of fear and lack of critical thinking. Where there, I, I I could be wrong on this, but I think there's been two deaths where I am. There's been two deaths in the past three and a half weeks, but the cases have quote unquote skyrocketed, and some people are are fudging the numbers and saying they've gone up nine hundred percent in the past three weeks, nine hundred percent, and six hundred percent have tested positive compared to three weeks ago, and it's like okay, if you're gonna play around with the numbers like this, why don't you give a negative ratio for the amount of deaths 
there are right now. You know, I, I fancy myself a critical thinker, and I really dig into the numbers on COVID, uh, the, the ones the CDC put out. And as Roger and I were talking about, I think Josh is in on it. The CDC has actually changed their website. And whereas, I guess, maybe a month ago, it looked like a scientific type website where you kind of, you know, you have to really dig into it a little bit and, you know, uh, do, do your due diligence, as Roger and Josh would say, on, you know, reading the footnotes and uh, sussing things out yourself. But now it looks like a little children's website. It, it's, it's, they've really changed things up and they've taken a lot of stats off of there, actually, like how they uh, determine whether it's COVID or the flu and things like that. It's not there anymore. Anyway, the more you look in, the more I look into the numbers, the more questions I have. It's like, well, why are we, you know, why are we restricting everything? Is no one looking at the deaths right now? And are the death numbers accurate? I mean, I think it's safe to say that there are so many inaccuracies right now that <laughs> it's hard to make a decision. I, I, I feel sorry for politicians to a point lawmakers that have to try to weigh their constituency when making these decisions with everybody so frightened. You know, my wife is coming back from the States uh, in a couple weeks. And the rule now is uh, she has to quarantine for two weeks. And of course, I'll have to quarantine for two weeks because she's coming back from the States. And the way Europe sees it is a lot the way Americans saw Italy about two months ago. Everyone in Italy has COVID. Everyone in the U.S. has COVID. So I'll have to quarantine for two weeks. So maybe I'll, I'll put out a few solo episodes during that time. But uh, And after she gets back, she, it's a special trip, her coming back. I'll share with the audience what she did when she got back. It's not like it's a secret or anything, but it's something we kind of want to keep quiet until she gets here. That'll be kind of an adventure Maybe she could even come on the show and talk about it. But, um, yeah, it's just there's a lot of confusion here uh, with COVID. Um, nobody really – it's like Josh said, they're, they're flying by the seat of their pants. I mean, even where I work, every day there's a new discussion on what the rules are going to be. So it's a very confusing time, but uh, I think all this is going to go away around November or December. So what do you think, Roger? No, I, I think you hit it on the head. The whole COVID thing is really just starting to piss me off. And it's, I think it comes down to, to two pieces. And, and, and I'm, you know, I actually like hearing your thoughts about over there because obviously the American politics aren't as involved in uh, different countries. There's a different dynamic there. But here in the States, and this is just my gut feeling and what I think, but it's the, it boils down to politics and people don't want to go back to work. And then overall, it goes back to what Josh said. It's consistency. You want to know why people aren't following the guidance? Because there's no consistent message that's being put out there. Because, hey, I'm sorry, and I'll use Josh's phrase, you know, I'm old enough to remember two months ago when the CDC said, don't wear masks, right? I mean, wasn't that? It was like two months ago, right? Two and a half months ago, something like that. Um, I remember when they were saying, well, wearing masks uh, prevents, you know, 99% of the spread of coronavirus. So why do we have to have social distancing? Because if the masks work, why do we have to have social distancing? If the masks don't work, then why are we wearing masks? So, but it's not, but it's not just that. It, you know, we get into the politics of it. So one, and this is my black helicopter theory, and, and maybe it's not such, you know, such a, a black helicopter theory, but everybody knows the election's coming up. I believe because I've been watching the unemployment numbers and we see these unemployment numbers and they go down, they go down. Then you, you see a couple little upticks here and there, state to state, uh, unemployment filings. So when I did just a quick gurgle, I think other than Florida, 
which is you can it's red it's borderline swing depending on you know popular vote but it seems like every blue state out there has a backlog of unemployment filings and then miraculously as the weeks and weeks go on and the economy is improving overall these new numbers roll out well we had another 100,000 people you know file for unemployment well no they actually filed 2 months ago you just didn't process them and pay them until today Okay, so I think there's a a political piece of that where they're trying to tank that, uh, shut down the blue states again. Why? To tank the economy because the Dow I think closed at what twenty six and a half today, give or take twenty six thousand five hundred, you know, plus or minus. Uh, so we're back up there. We're back up to you know uh, post Barry numbers and, and pre COVID numbers. So as the economy is getting better, people are going back to work. I feel again, it's just my gut feeling. I feel that a lot of the blue states are out there are like, hey. Um, what are we going to do to keep this thing going, right? It's the whole fear-mongering and, and shutting down the economy, and people have to be scared. The other piece to this is some folks just don't want to go back to work. I tell you, as as, as I look at, at folks and trying to get them back in the office, and as we look at hiring and, and just other small businesses around the area, it is amazing uh, how many people will not go back to work. My mother-in-law works for a medical staffing company, and they staff nurses throughout the country and what have you. She can't get – she's got all the jobs in the world cannot get nurses to go back to work. They're used to staying home. They're used to giving that, that COVID money. And I'm not shitting on all the nurses out there. I'm just talking about a, a general observation that, that I, I'm making and what, what I feel is going on. But then, you know, you go back to the consistent message, and this is what leads me back to politics. So this was a, a breaking news story last night on Fox News where they were looking at specific cities in Florida. And this is what kills me. And this is why people don't follow the guidance. Florida, uh, I believe Orlando, they were saying, had a 98% positive test rate. And I hadn't really tracked Florida. I don't live out there. You know, didn't really give a shit. But a couple of investigative journalists were like, hey, 98% sounds, you know, pretty high. So they go down there, they take a look. Well, guess what they weren't counting? They weren't counting the negative tests. I mean, the guy's like, really? Like 98% of the population down here is positive for coronavirus? Well, no. Because the negative tests were never reported. And so when they go back, and I guess 2% were inconclusive or whatever, then they go back and they say, okay, we got to fix these records now. So you have to go back and track everybody that came. They come out. Yeah, it actually wasn't 98%. It was more like 9.8%. And then they had another city down in Florida that was, uh, they put out a 96% rate. They go back and look at their records. Oh, sorry, it wasn't 96%. It was um, 9 point, or excuse me, 6%. So, you know, the public, as I sit here and I watch the news, I see that. Then I see, you know, the uh, the headline, what, a couple months ago where the uh, Department of Health Commission or whatever came out for Illinois and was straightforward and was like, yeah, we count every death. Everybody who's got COVID that dies is counted as a, as a COVID death. And I think the excuse that she actually used is that you could be terminally ill, given just a few days to live, you die, but you test positive for COVID, it's counted as a coronavirus death, Right. Then you have just recent, you have the Arizona mayor come out and gets on national TV. And this goes back to Luke's thing. They make one stupid statement and it takes you paragraphs and paragraphs to, to, to disprove it. And by then the news cycle has moved on. But she comes out and says the Arizona morgues, or maybe she said Phoenix, the Phoenix morgues are overflowing. We're at capacity and we have to we have to bring in refrigerated trucks. And not two hours later, they went to three or four of the major companies here in Phoenix that, that handle that. 
And they're like, no, that's actually not true at all. And we didn't tell her that at all. The, you know, we're, we're creeping up a little bit because in the summertime, Arizona tends to operate at capacity anyway, because we have a, a large elderly population. Uh, but we, nobody from our offices told her that we were at capacity. And oh, by the way, the only reason that we had the refrigerated trucks is because when Governor Ducey enacted his executive order, part of the course of action of that was, hey, you need to go ahead and order refrigerated trucks. So they're not being used. They're not being filled. They're just being ordered because that's part of the surge plan. So she lied on national television. That makes the headlines, makes it all around CNN, MSNBC, everything else for a lie that never does get cleaned up, right? Nobody goes back because the new cycle has changed. So a lot of that stuff just, you know, it pisses me off. And then you get down to the, you know, how they test. I read this the other day too, how they test for coronavirus, you know, RT, the, the RT-PCR test. You realize they said that up to 20% of those tests give you a false negative? Dude, it's incredible. Now, I'm not trying to downplay the coronavirus. You know, I think it's serious. I don't want to catch it. I don't want anybody in my family to catch it. But it goes back to Josh's thing. You know, there is no consistency anywhere. There's, uh, you know, you want people to follow, you know, follow along and take the guidance. We'll put out all the information out there. You know, the problem is the data doesn't necessarily support the claims. And it goes back to what we've been saying for months and months. Uh, actually, we've had our podcast for a couple months now. Yeah. So for months and months, I can say that, uh, that we've been saying, hey, you know, there are different perspectives, right? You have, you know, medical professionals that are going to give you medical guidance, but it goes beyond that. Okay. It goes, you know, to the economy and jobs and be able to support yourself or what have you. So at the end of the day, it's all starting to piss me off because, it's, it, you know, it sounds like just a bunch of sheeple out there and it just, it's, it's politics and it comes down to people not wanting to work. And as I thought about this, and I didn't come up with this topic, you know, Josh and Luke came up with it. You guys ever see the movie uh, Falling Down with Michael Douglas? Yo. Dude, I'm not there, okay? So nobody report me for shooting up my neighborhood or being angry or I'm the PTSD vet or whatever, right? But it's the, I see how people get to that point. I, I truly see how people get to that breaking point because you just get fed up with it. You get fed up with defending yourself. Uh, you get fed up with the failed expectations. You get fed up with your government. You get failed. You know. You get fed up with your local leaders. So as we started talking about that, and we started talking a little about uh, you know economic and societal decline, and, and I guess we can actually say societal decline because I think the economy is you know getting a lot better. But the whole you know preppers came up. So I am not a subject matter expert in this by any means. So I spent the last couple of days doing some gurgling and, you know, became as smart as I can with, with the time that I have. But, uh, Josh, why don't you tell us, you know, a little about, uh, you know, about preppers, what they prep for their mindset and we'll, uh, kick it around the horn a couple times. Yeah. So, all right. So I, you know, you kick it over me like I'm the crazy PTSD vet, um, you know, prepper <laughs> mindset. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm a, you know, I, I, I don't call myself a prepper. I don't consider myself a prepper, uh, you know, growing up in Florida, obviously, you know, hurricane, like hurricane season was always generally a significant emotional event for us. You know, it was just, you know, you were going to get a hurricane, you know, in the panhandle of Florida, you know, it was just, it was going to happen. Now, whether it came in from the Atlantic or whether it came in from the Gulf, you know, it, nine times out of 10, it didn't matter. Um, but, you know, so we don't on the, you know, for the prepping stuff, we really looked at it. It really hit home in March, you know, when they came out and they said, Everybody, you know, stay home. It was, you know, it was COVID quarantine and everything. And, you know, you start looking at, you know, your supply. You're like, all right, man. So hurricane season gets here. Everybody, you go buy batteries. 
you know, you, you make sure you got, you know, some extra canned foods and perishables to sustain yourself for a week, we, a week or so. Right. Cause that's, yeah, that's, that's generally about how long if a really bad hurricane comes into where you're at that's generally about how long you're going to be without power so i so i went through you know i went through hurricane andrew and uh i wrote it out in south florida because most floridians a cat one two or three like it's a party like there's slipping slides there's kegs like we're <laughs> like we're just hanging out right and it's just like it's a party and so hurricane andrew was coming we were actually down at west palm beach uh get ready for diving i was doing actually i was doing my uh my open water uh, dive certification and we were like ah fuck it man it's a hurricane we're floridians like this is this is our thing right and i tell you after writing out hurricane andrew if it's a four or five like pack your shit we are leaving um, because <laughs> I, I, even having after been you know all over Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, Somalia, like I have never been as scared as I was in the middle of Hurricane Andrew. Like I legit was like, there's nothing you can do about it, right? It is, it is Mother Nature. Like there, you there's not a damn thing you can do about it. Um, you know, at least in you know, at least at war, man. You you know, you can shoot back, you can get behind like something, dude. Cat five hurricane rolls in, that's it. Like you just can't stop that thing. Um, and so, you know, so up here and we started looking around and it was like, all right, uh, all right, we're running a little low on toilet paper. We need to go find some toilet paper. Right. But at the end of the day, it, it, you know, we were fine. We got some and, you know, every time I saw some, I buy some and, you know, stuff like that. And so we were fine. But once the growth, you know, once things started closing down, like restaurants started closing down, like there was a run on canned goods. There was a run on, you know, box pasta. There was a run on, you know, the meat and chicken were long gone. And so you go to the grocery store and I can always tell, I, I, I use this to gauge it, right? I looked and was like, okay, so all the ground beef is gone. All the ground chuck is gone and all the chicken breasts are gone. I was like, it's not that bad yet. Because the filet mignon still there, the porterhouses are still in stuff. You know? <laughs> like <laughs> all the expensive stuff is still there. So I was like, okay, it's not that bad. People aren't hungry yet, right? Yeah, it's like there was still spam on the shelf, and you know, I grew up. My my dad would fry. We would cut up spam and potatoes, and we would you know we would fry them because I grew up in the south, and that's what we do to shit. We fry it. And, uh, you, you, dude, I don't know how many times I made a meal off of just spam and potatoes. Right. And that's just what you, that's what you eat when you're poor. So there for a while I was like, all right, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Well, when they started shutting down the meat plants, the meat processing plants, you know, then you started to see even the expensive stuff start to disappear. And you're like, okay, like it's starting like, okay. Like it's starting to get real. And then it's, you know, it's a wake up call. It's like, I need to have, you know, X amount of stuff on hand. Right. And if you have it, 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 you know, it's like the military supply, you know, strategy. If you have one, you have zero, you know, if you have two, you have one, if you have three, you have two, right. It's just that mentality. And so, you know, we realized that it's like, man, we are not as prepared as we probably should have been for this. And so it, you know, it got us thinking like, I'm not, I'm not burying a 500 gallon fuel tank in my backyard to make sure I have gas and, <laughs> and, and shit like that. Right. You know, cause we're busy having a pool put in. Uh, so, you, uh, you know, yeah. people are, they are serious, serious preppers. Um, and, you know, they, they're like, okay, here are the basic steps that you need to start prepping. And I was waiting for the, you know, go buy guns and ammo. 
right? And that's not that's not what they started with. Um, so for all you people out there buying up all the guns and ammo, that's fine. You can be the you know you can be the Negan when everything goes south, um, but you're not going to last that long because somebody's going to kill you and you know take your shit. So anyway, so it was like okay, like the basic strategy. And I'm talking about like these guys prep to the point of. Like they got their ham radio license, like they have handheld, uh, you know, CBs, everything. And it came into play for some of them when Hurricane, I want to say it was Michael rolled into North Carolina, I think 2018. And it, it knocked out, you know, a lot of folks on the coast were without power for a week or so. So, you know, they, they looked at the basic steps, you know, the basic step to prepping first and foremost is, you have to have personal finance and your health in order, right? You have to have a solid foundation for your personal health and finance. You know, a lot of people talk about, oh, you need this amount of food on hand. You need this. If you don't have your health, you're not going to be able to survive. I look at it like a seer, almost like a seer school, you know, start is like the first thing you have to do in any bad situation is survive, right? You have to survive that initial contact to evade and get, you know, and get away, and live, fight another day, right? So if you don't have your health, if you're not able to beat somebody's ass plus one, you, you're probably not going to last very long in a post-apocalyptic, you know, uh, situation. Um, and then you know, it's like get your get your home ready for about two weeks. Everybody should have in their home at a minimum. And so we're talking natural disasters, right? We're talking hurricanes, earthquakes, and we're kind of going to break this down, you know, hurricane earthquakes, you know, stuff like that. It's a couple weeks of, you know, you're going to be uncomfortable and then, you know, okay, there's, so there's civil unrest, right? And that's a couple of months. That may be a couple of months, you know, kind of, or you're quarantined in your house for a couple, kind of like, I don't know, the last, you know, couple of months. And then like, you know, then we can go into like post-apocalyptic, like society is broken down, you know, government no longer exists. Like it is, it's the walking dead scenario, right? It's, there might not be zombies walking around, but it is literally every person for themselves. Right. So, but in your house, you should have two weeks of stuff. You should have two weeks of food, two weeks of water. Um, and I'm talking about water, not you go turn your tap on and run your water, but you should have two weeks of actual water, Right. If we're talking your tap doesn't work because, you know, natural disasters, earthquakes, hurricanes, stuff like that. Like that is going to, you know, knock out city water. You know, maybe you're on a well, unless you got a generator on your well, that pump's not working. Maybe you got a windmill because you live out in Texas or maybe you're like Roger and you have a windmill because you live in Apache Junction, Arizona, where there's a lot of wind. I don't know. Um, you know, and then, you know, you need to be able to leave your home. Right. And some people call them bug out bags. You also need to have get home bags, right? Cause you're not always going to be at home when disaster strikes. It's like, it's like, you know, it's like having a firearm. You're not always going to be in your bedroom at night when, you know, disaster strikes, dude, you could be in your kitchen when, you know, an intruder comes through your back door. So you need to have a get home bag and an everyday carry and then learning those core skills and practicing with your gear. So I just bought a new tent cause I'm going to go spend some time over the mountains backpacking, uh, disconnected from social media and life in general and get my head on straight. And you, you see those people when you're out camping and stuff, you see those people, you know, the people who didn't prepare because they pull their tent out of their bag and they're cutting the tags off of it. And then they're reading the instructions and shit. And you're like, you didn't practice with your shit. So there's no PCCs, PCIs going on, anything. Right. And so people think I'm crazy, but like, I'll be out in my yard, you know, with my new tent with my headlamp on at night, setting it up because I want to be able to, you know, it's like, Hey man, I need to practice setting it up at night because I may have to set this thing up at night with a headlamp, you know, at some point. 
Um, and it's just practicing with your gear. That's, you know, and then, you know, sharing and recruiting and getting others and to, you know, kind of have those basic supplies and that basic foundation set, because, it, you know, it's important. For, and the main reason, because what is what we have seen, it's like, you know, fuck man, it's like, it's like Black Friday, you know, in November, if your neighbor is not prepared and you are, and you have a bunch of shit and they don't have any shit, they're going to come over and Negan you and take your shit. Right. So if you can get everybody around you as prepared as you are, right. I mean, that keeps everybody at bay. Right. I mean, it just, you know, so that's just kind of, that's kind of my take on it. I think it'd be good to, you know, break it down, kick it around here um, with some of the basics. I know you said you'd done some research. I know Luke's a, you know, Luke's a street fighter from, from way back in the day. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, that, those are my basics. That's kind of how I looked at it and, and, and kind of approached it the last couple of months, just taking a look at it. And there are definitely some changes that we need to make here, you know, for us again, like, so peaches, dude, we didn't prune our peach tree like we should have uh, at the beginning of the year. And we pulled 126 pounds of peaches off our tree uh, last week. Right. Absolutely insane. And so, you know, we gave some, you know, we, we gave a bunch to the neighborhood. We kept some and then we started looking at it, but the neighborhood didn't take all of them. So we're looking at them like, what are we going to do with these? And it was like, well, fuck, man, let's can them. Right. My parents can potatoes and vegetables like like it's going out of style. You know, the apocalypse ever happened. Like I'm going to my parents house if I if I can get there. Like I'm going there because they have probably my dad probably has eight, nine months worth of food, you know, at their house. Um, And I'm talking about food. I'm not talking about like you're not going hungry every day. Like you can eat like normal, you know, every day. Um, And so. You know, just but it goes back to learning those skills, you know, sewing, canning, being able to grow and sustain your own food and, you know, store it and all that, all, all those things. So that's kind of how after the last couple of months of a wake up call, I came in, you need to get your shit together and be able to do this. Um, you know, everybody talk about, you just need guns and ammo. Those people are stupid. Those are the stupid people that Roger referred to earlier. So if you're that person, if you're like, if you're the, either it's too late to start planning now, you're already screwed. You're stupid. And if you just say, well, go buy guns and ammo and then you can take other people's shit. Like, you know, a la Negan and the walking dead. Well, you're stupid too. And you know what? You may take a couple people's shit, but you're not going to take my shit. So let me know how that, let me know how that works out for you. Luke's in here shaking his head, just kind of like half smiling. So I'm going to shut up and give it to him. Yeah. I'm from the mean streets of Glendale, Arizona and Southwest Amarillo, Texas. Shout out to my peeps in the 806. It's funny. Uh, <laughs> Car- Carlton Zeus uh, was, was messaging me a second ago uh, while Roger was talking and uh, he actually had a, uh, guy named Vinny Rocco Vargas over to his house there in San Antonio, who's a former army ranger. He's uh, known for the TV series, uh, the Mayans, Mayans MC, something like that. I, I haven't seen it, but it's a spinoff of that other motorcycle show. I can't remember. Uh, he's also was in the movie range 15. He has a pretty successful podcast. He's going to give us some pointers. So uh, shout out to Vinny uh, for that. He's also uh, real interested in reading our book. So Carlton Zeus has a special request for josh please have josh sound off with a list of people or groups that can go fuck themselves fire 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 (laughs) so we'll we'll be waiting on that josh next time around 
<laughs> yeah, this, this this prepper episode got a lot of feedback on uh, on the Facebook page, and we start we started thinking, you know, the more we talked about it, the more we realized, man, there's a lot to unpack with this. I mean, a lot. Uh, there are different degrees and levels of prepping, and I really think that you know the movement has been around. Uh, Roger probably looked this up too. It's been around for a while, man, in the U.S. Uh, as far as a movement goes. And I think uh, it, it kind of really started in the 1950s, uh, prepping for you know nuclear bombs and stuff like that. But I believe that Americans have a specific like pioneer, independent type mentality. And that's really, when it comes down to it, prepping is kind of a form of independence. And like I said, there's different levels of it. You know, like take a car, for instance, a vehicle. Uh, do you know how to change a tire? Well, you're prepared to have a flat, you're prepared to deal with a flat tire in the middle of nowhere. Do you have a spare jack or a spare tire and a jack in your car? Well, that's prepping. That's prepping for something that could go wrong. Now, you can take that even further. Do you have tools in your car, extra spark plugs, things? Do you know how to fix those things? Do you know how to diagnose your engine? Do you have a flashlight in your car? Do you have signaling equipment? Uh, air in cold weather, do you have chains, blankets? extra water, extra fuel, uh, dig out equipment where you got to dig your car. out. I mean, there's different levels you can prepare to either drive a long distance or just to drive in general. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think in, when I was living in San Antonio, I lived in the same house for about four years. And I, I have a lot of friends who are, aren't necessarily preppers, but they like to be prepared for, for anything. So I, I kind of started my collection and I, I the more I, delved into it, the more I realized how complex and how much planning has to go into actual prepping. So I, I kind of broke it down. I was like, okay, this is, it's going to be step by step. And I'm going to go with, what do I need to be prepared for four months of nothing? You know, no more grocery stores, no more electricity, no more nothing. So I started to collect food. I started to do the math on what I would need and I got around to where, realistically, for a family of four, we could have gotten by for four months with rationing. Uh, we, we got to a good point. And we can get into what I had and, and things like that. I would like to get to a point where I could go for an entire year at some point. But being overseas, that's, that's next to impossible. Um, because, number one, I can't have weapons over here. Uh, well, I can, but it's not feasible. Uh, not feasible legally. And I, the only weapons I have here in the house are like, kitchen knives and a pair of escrima sticks a lot of shitload of the good that's going to do me in this zombie apocalypse but, and a lazy uh, ass dog <laughs> yeah 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 well they bark real loud but you know i think it was i was it stan that said something about the uh, maslow's hierarchy of needs on the facebook page do you guys it was stan okay that was a good yeah. point that's that's kind of a good starting point i mean it's a lot of this prepping stuff is common sense at least with you know when you're uh, looking at like the natural disaster, like Josh is saying, like, they'd be prepared for a month, either to bug out and then come back or to weather the storm without electricity. So I always went with, what's the thing I can't survive more than three days with, without? And that's water. Dude, water, you cannot survive without water for more than three days. And three days is pushing it. You know, and that's that's with, with good weather and not moving around and uh, just drinking water. So, yeah, I, you know, there was a lake near the house in San Antonio, 
I had a few uh, water storage containers. I always figure I will probably be able to see these things coming. That's probably a mistake. But I figured, well, if I can see it coming, I'll fill the bathtubs, plug them up. Roger said earlier he's got a pool out behind his house. That's good for a while. You know, that's water. You'd be surprised. If anybody's ever gone a day without drinking water, you'd be surprised what you drink. You'd be surprised at the fluids you drink. Your body <laughs> starts tricking you, and you, you go crazy. You really do. I see how people drink ocean water when they're stranded at sea and stuff because, man, you just can't fight it. But real quick, the the back to the hierarchy of needs. It, basically, it goes from – it's a pyramid. And at the top – well, we'll start with the bottom. And you can't have the top without having the bottom. The bottom are your basic needs, your physiological needs, your water, your food, uh, warmth, in other words, shelter, uh, and – rest. You have to be able to rest. You have to be able to sleep. You're not going to be able to function to get to those higher level and fulfillment needs. So you got to have shelter basically, and you got to have clothing. You have to have food and water. Okay. Those are your basic needs. You cannot live without those things. The next level up is safety needs, security and safety. That's where a lot of people get stuck when they think about prepping. They start thinking about all the guns they're going to need. And it's like, okay, did you think about the water? You know, let's think about water first. Because you're going to run out of water before someone's going to come and try to take your shit. The next level up, it, it's kind of uh, touchy-feely, but it is true. I mean, you're going to need, in, you know, friends and relationships. You know, uh, unless you're the loner, Ted Kaczynski type, you're going to need friends and, and family, which, and, you know, community. Because Roger's going to go down a road here in a little while, I have a feeling, where it's like, you know, if we're looking at an Armageddon-type situation— you will not, very few people are going to be able to survive without community. So that's going to be important. And that's third level. The, the getting toward the top is esteem needs, like feeling of accomplishment. Well, let me tell you something. I mean, it sounds stupid, but some of the most uh, satisfied people that I've ever met have been farmers and ranchers who grow their own food, provide their own food to other people. I mean, there's a sense of accomplishment in even having a garden. So, I mean, there's esteem needs at the very top is self-actualization. You know, the real uh, belly gazing, achieving one's full potential, including creative activities. Okay. So if you have all those things, the theory is you're going to be satisfied. Uh, but you can't have self-actualization, uh, creative activities and achieving your full potential if you die of thirst within 72 hours. So it kind of, it kind of works like that. And we kind of want to tackle this and uh, go to Roger first on this. We're going to tackle this and start, uh, with kind of what Josh kicked off with of let's take a situation where everything shuts down for 30 to 60 days. So if you could give me like your opinion on what you would do right now and like what might cause that like 30 to 60 days without electricity, other than hurricanes or earthquakes. And if you can't think of anything, that's fine. I'll just kick it to you. <laughs> I can't think of anything else. No, it, uh, I want to roll it back just a little bit because you brought up a good point with your, you know, the car breaking down. And so the very first thing we got to look at when we look at preppers, and again, I'm not uh, the expert at this. I just look at what I myself look at and what I would do. And, and as you know, as I started gurgling this stuff and you get down this rabbit hole, I mean, prepping is huge. It is huge. And at first when I, when I, when I first, you know, somebody says prepping, I think I, I might have even said that to Josh, Oh, guns and ammo. 
that's like the first thing that pops in everybody's mind, right? Because of the walking dead and I got to defend mine and I'm going to take your shit and, and, and whatever, but it goes beyond that. It's way bigger because we all think about natural disasters and I know we'll go down this road here in a minute, but it goes beyond that. What are you prepping for? Uh, because here's another thing that we were out of, uh, what did we start off with? We we're out of toilet paper. Then I think we were out of milk. Then we went out of meat, charcoal, we were out of tofu. Now there's a coin shortage, right? We're out of coins because the people aren't out there fucking, you know, spending money. So there's no coin. There, there's a coin shortage. But you say, hey, what are you prepping for? The other piece of that that we were out of, we were out of jobs, and we were out of finances, and we were out of money. So when you look at prepping, it's not just about guns and ammo. It's not just about the little things that we're, I shouldn't say little things, but about the physical and material things that we're getting ready to talk about, you know, as far as the food and water, but it, it goes beyond that. What are you prepping for? And I tell you, one of the things I don't see a whole lot of in the, in the two days that I've read a lot of this, so I, I know there's some experts out there that listen to our podcast, so you can feel free to call me a dumbass or I missed a point or whatever, but a big part of prepping is finance and making sure that you're financially secure, one, to stay in the house that you're in. Because I think for when you talk about the first 30 days, Luke, let's, you know, let's bypass or, or set aside the electricity piece for a minute. Money will get you a long ways to begin with. Now, when you get to the point of, of economic and societal breakdown, okay, when you get to the Negan stage and this and that, okay, money at that point, you're just fucking warming your house or whatever. But I would tell you for the first couple of weeks, first couple of months, and, and you saw it during Corona and you still see it now to an extent, money will get you a long ways. And I've said this with the national debt as, you know, not to, not to go off on a tangent, but, you know, part of the struggle or part of the challenge uh, being a nation that's in so much debt and running such a deficit is that when shit happens, you don't have the fiscal means to provide that assistance. Uh, and as an individual level, if you don't have that means to make sure it's your house is taken care of for six months or, or I, I, what's the rule of thumb now? It used to be like 60 days. Now I think it's like four or six months, right? Wow. Is it? Yeah, I think that's with the, the you know, with the, the whole COVID, uh, you know, they're like, hey, you got to look at four to six months of survival on income. You should have wow. you should have four to six months of expenses, you know, in say rest, you know, sitting there that you can right. you can take care of yourself. So, you know, you have to, you know, from my point of view, that's that's one of the first things I look at is is the financial point that, hey, look, as long as I've got my house. I've got my car, I can buy fuel, I can buy those basic needs or whatever. That's That, to me, is one of the fundamentals that I build upon. Because when I look at prepping, and, and I don't want to oversimplify this, but I kind of break it down into three categories. I look at it as a you know finance. Uh, I look at it as you know, sustenance, so your food, water, all the, the stuff that you need to eat to survive. And then your actual survival slash protection, protecting your own, protecting your shit, protecting your, your goods and belongings. So, you know, to begin with, something that you can't do it overnight, but you know most of the other stuff you can buy or learn fairly quickly. It's like, hey, first you got to get your finances in order. Make sure that you can stay in your house for the four to six months. Make sure that you can go out and buy the food that you're going to need to buy. Make sure you can go out and buy because here's the thing. Now I'm not paying you know thirty dollars a roll of toilet paper, but if I needed to spend thirty dollars for a roll of toilet paper at the time, I had the means to go do that. And that's what I mean with you know there's going to be a point, and we all see it, right? I think they even have laws against it, you know, price gouging and this that. Once a disaster hits, whether it's a natural disaster or an economic disaster or whatever, you know, price gouging, prices go up. And you know what? If you have the money and the financial ability to go buy that. Uh, then you're going to be fine. And, you know, when I say go buy it, I'm not talking about, you know, just, you know, whimsically throwing your money out there. I, I think beyond this, uh, it goes back to, uh, I think Josh, you have to determine what your priorities are. What do I have to have? You got to have water. 
you got to have food. Uh, there's some certain staples that you have to have. So, you know, when we talk about the finance and Josh talks about four to six months of expenses, we're not talking about, well, hey, how much money do I need to keep the Netflix going for six months? You know, or how much money do I need? Because at that point, I give two shits about Hulu, Netflix, you know, I mean, the Internet's tough to get away with nowadays because it is a form of communication. And for a lot of folks, it's, it's the only way they can communicate or keep informed. But at some point, if you go down societal collapse, does that even exist anymore? So that might not even be an option. But, you know, as a family, uh, you know, you definitely want to determine, hey, what are the priorities? What am I have to have? What do I have to have to survive? What do I need to do to support myself fiscally? Uh, and then the sustenance piece, you know, it's, uh, you know, I want to throw this to Josh because I'm kind of curious. I, I was just thinking of this as I was going through my pantry because I think I have a pool, 35,000 gallons. Long story short, I got enough water to last me for a while, which is kind of crazy out here in Arizona. But that is a big concern that I didn't have to, you know, I don't have to worry about here, that I did have to worry about living in other places. Now, when you get farther down the road, I might have to worry about protecting that and securing that. But, you know, on the on the surface of it, uh, I, I do have the, the, the water. When it comes to sustenance, and maybe this because uh, both of us were in the Army for a long time um, and Luke for a little while. Uh, you know, we're used to making do with, with very little, <laughs> I got to give a shout out, right? I, I get a little jab every now and then to Luke every uh, single time. the army, right? <laughs> Just to keep it alive. But, you know, I sit here and look at what I can su- survive off of. And I know all three of us, especially in our younger private days that, Hey, look, you know, I hate to break it to people, but early on in the army, you don't make a whole lot of money. And, uh, early on in the army, uh, you're generally younger and you make a lot of, uh, poor life decisions. And that usually means to lack of decisions as far as what you can eat. So I think all three of us and, and most of your college students out there can, can relate as well as, uh, you can go a long time off some really like shitty sustenance. Right. But what I started thinking was, okay, there's one thing to survive. We've all been through the schools where, man, I was eating cookies out of a damn trash can or whatever the fuck I found. But then I look at, well, I've got a family. You know, Josh has a family. Luke has a family. So then you start to say, well, it's not just enough to survive. I mean, it is to a point. But did you ever get your family involved as far as like the food? I mean, I know I never did. I never looked at my my wife and kids like, hey, you know, for four to six months, you know, what do you have to have in here to eat? Because I would eat anything, right? You get hungry enough, you're just going to fucking eat. I, I tell my kids that all the time. They don't want to eat the green beans. Like, you know why you're not eating the green beans? Because you've never truly been hungry. So I, I don't know. You know, I thought to Josh, you've got younger kid, younger kids. I mean, have you uh, taken that look to say, hey, you know, talk to your wife and the kids. What do you exactly need to survive over the next four, or even give thought to that that type of stuff? You know, we didn't until until COVID hit. Honestly, and you know, it was one of those things right. where it was like, you know, the kids are like, well, why can't I have grilled chicken tonight? It was like, because there's no grilled chicken to be had at the store. <laughs> but like, I, I, don't, I, yeah, I, I don't know what you want me to tell you. It's like there's squirrels in the bird feeders out back. Like I can go knock out, you know, I can go knock out <laughs> some squirrel. We can make a pot of rice with some squirrel and put some gravy in it. Like, you know, I, I had that as a kid. I, it's, it's a fantastic meal. Um, never really had that conversation, you know, never really had that conversation until COVID. But it was one of those things, right? Because so... Like I grew up hunting and fishing. That was my dad. You know, again, my dad was a quintessential man. You know, he hunted, fished. You know, rebuilt carburetors on Saturday mornings, and you know, was drinking beer by noon. And so, you know, we had that conversation. Once COVID hit, it was like, hey, it was like, you know, I go back to that grocery store example. It's like, okay, well, there's still spam on the shelf, so people aren't hungry yet, right? People are right. still eating well, right? Yep. They're still. You know, there's still canned corned beef hash on the shelf. 
people aren't hungry yet. You know, and that's just what like you said, you know, when you're hungry, you're going to eat anything. Like when you are truly, truly hungry and that, you know, your belly's pinching you, like you will, you will make decisions and you will eat things you don't normally eat. And that's just, you know, that's the survival instinct coming out. That's in, I think in every human's DNA. So we never really had the, you know, we never really had the conversation about food. You do bring up a good point about, you know, what, and Luke brings up a good point about what do you need? Right. Not, I don't need in my bug out bag. I don't need my Game of Thrones book and my, you know, back in the day, like, you know, whoever had that, like, you know, the PlayStation Portable. You don't need that. We're talking about survival, <laughs> right? We are talking about literal, you know, literally survival. And so, and that's where that, that network is important. Right. And you build that network, you, you know, you're with your neighbors and your friends and, you know, where I'm at, you know, I'm lucky enough to live close enough to some people who are, who are true preppers, right? They are, they are tried and true preppers when they didn't have electricity for weeks, when they didn't have, you know, when their grocery store basically ran out of, they ran out of, you know, the, you know, milk jugs full of water when they ran out of all of the meat, you know, everything they're just like, Oh, it doesn't matter because I have 15 goats out in my backyard that I'm just and literally during COVID, you know, during the beginning of April, they went out and slaughtered a goat. And next thing you know, they're like, dude, I'm eating like I'm not I, I am not affected by this at all. You know, other than I don't have to go to work. Right. And so, you know, you, you talk about being financially stable and that's incredibly important because, you know, again, like I don't want to pay thirty dollars for a roll of toilet paper. But if I needed to, I could. Right. Um, but you know, the, and the other thing is, uh, is the fitness thing. And this kind of goes in, I'm not going to ask Luke how many, you know, how many pounds he's dropped, you know, as part of our, uh, <laughs> part of our fitness challenge, Oh, I am. but that's, you know, <laughs> but it's important, right? Your, your health and your fitness level is important, right? Because you're going to have some late nights, you're going to have, you know, and that's in the survival situation, you literally may not have a weapon. You may have to, you know, it move and communicate and all that stuff that goes along with that, you know, and if your physical health is not up there, if you're, you know, you got a few pounds extra around the, you know, around the midsection, you're going to move a little bit slower, man. And I, dude, I've, I've watched, you know, the national geographic Yellowstone documentaries, man, all the animals that get killed, man, they're the fat, slow moving ones. They're the ones at the back of the pack. They can't move fast. They're, they're the ones that go first, you know? Um, and so, I think the health thing is important that goes along with the finance and something like this, you know, and, and, and I'm talking hurricanes and I'm not talking about post-apocalyptic, like, you know, societal breakdown, money has no value. You know, that's, well, that's not one of the reasons, but it's one of the positives. I tell them, you know, I tell my wife that it's like, baby, I have so much booze because this is going to be trade. You know, you can barter with this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right, you can barter with these. Either, you know, that, that's going to be the new currency, right? Um, and so, and alcohol has a lot of a lot of other applications. Um, but you know, with the food stuff, again, it goes back to those basic skills that that I talked about in the beginning. You know, basically, you know, those core skills and practicing with your gear. Those core skills. I, I'm a big hunter. 
right? I'm planning a buffalo hunt right now out into South Dakota, maybe North Dakota, whichever outfitter I can get the best price from. And of course, it's one of those things. We are very fortunate here in our country, right? We are one of the only countries that can go hunting on a full stomach, you know, and a lot of people don't have that luxury. A lot of people in the world don't have that luxury. A lot of people have to hunt every day just to survive. We don't. I can go to, you know, I can go to Harris Teeter. I can go to, you know, giant grocery store, whatever, and, you know, get the meat I need. But in our DNA, like, you know, it's ingrained in us to go harvest uh, wildlife for, you know, for food. And, you know, it's one of those things like, so my wife doesn't eat, she will not eat deer. She will not eat, she, she won't eat venison. She won't eat wild game. She just, you know, it's just like she doesn't like the thought of killing Bambi and, you know, skinning Bambi out and everything. And and, and I get that to, to an extent, but because that's how she was raised. But I was raised like, you know, you just you hunted and fished. That was yeah, it was just what you did. Right. You hunted fish, wore trucker hats and you drank shitty beer like natural light and bush. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so. I think it's important that you, you know, you at least have those basic skills. Like I talked about before and like, I know how to fish. I know how to, you know, even if it's shooting squirrels out of your bird feeder. Right. And and people laugh about that and people are like, Oh my God. But do you know how to skin that thing? Like when it comes down to it, you need food. You know, you were truly hungry. Like you talked about, like you were hungry. Like, you know, the other shit's gone. You can't go down to the store and, you know, buy your, you know, your box of Gouda Triscuits. You are truly, truly hungry. You know, okay, so you, 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 you shot that squirrel. Do you know how to skin it? Can you cook it? People were laughing. People were making fun. People were like, I can't believe you're outside with your backpacking stove, you know, making coffee when we had the last hurricane rolling in North Carolina. I was like. Dude, you're out without power. Your Keurig doesn't work. And people, you know, people are looking at me like, hey, man, can I come over to your house and use your backpacking stove to uh, make some coffee? Like, yeah, man, come on over, you know? And so, but it's just <laughs> having that stuff and knowing how to do it. And people are like, oh, you're bougie French press. Yeah, that's, it's bougie until you ain't got no power to run that Keurig. <laughs> and then it ain't bougie no more, is it? So it's... Yeah, you know, the sustenance conversation, we, you know, we we really didn't have it until COVID. And I know it went on a little bit of a tangent there. Um, but I think it's I think it's important for people to understand to survive. You're you're in a survival mode. You're not going to be comfortable. You are going to have to learn how to be uncomfortable. And that's just it. You're not gonna have power for a week or two. Like hurricane season in Florida is from June to November. Well, you know, for those people who've never been to Florida, June through November, it's still like keep cat five. You don't have power, which means you don't have air conditioning. You are going to be uncomfortable, but you're going to be alive. You know, and at the end of the day, as long as you're surviving and your family's surviving, that's, you know, what more can you ask for? Yeah. And speaking of bringing up some good points, did the, any of the rest of the audience notice that Roger just completely ignored what I asked him? It doesn't matter anyway. Um, I kind of addressed it. I addressed a little bit of it. (laughs) To Josh, we're getting metaphysical with it, which I like. This is good. Like I said, there's a lot to unpack. You know, Josh's point, though, about, you know, having a little extra weight and stuff, I heard that, and it's making me, at this point, it's kind of making me doubt this contest we're having. I mean, maybe I need my fat. You know, if if this stuff breaks down, if I have an extra layer of fat, number one, it's going to keep me warm. 
and I'm going to live longer than you skinny people, you know? But <laughs> on a serious note, you know, you want to see survival and subsistence living. You know, take a trip to the Badakhshan province of Afghanistan and look at the people who have lived there. And my God, I mean, yeah, they, by American standards, they don't look healthy, but they're, they are healthy. They have adapted to their environment. They don't need much water. They don't need much food. And they can run up and down those mountains damn near barefooted. And it's like, okay, these people know how to survive. That's though, but you know, they're used to it though. I think if you threw an American, your average American into that environment, they'd be dead in a month living like those people because for, for various reasons, because their bodies just aren't used to, you know, not getting essential nutrients. I mean, those people are living probably if you took their blood, they're, you know, deficient on almost every vitamin out there, but Hey, they're still alive. Of course, their life expectancy is only about 48, but you know, it goes to, you know, my dad made a point on the, I think on the post where he, he said he read a book and I'm still waiting dad, uh, to, to hear what that book is. Cause I'm interested in it to where, uh, some guy was, was an actual prepper and he thought he had everything straight. And then a situation hit that he wasn't expecting and none of his supplies did him any good. But what did him good was being prepared for it and being able to adapt. And I think that might be, uh, kind of what Roger's getting at a lot is, um, just, just having, and Josh too, is, is having the presence of mind to know how to set up the tent and know how to be independent a little bit. You know, it, I think that's a big part of it. Uh, you can prep all you want, but if, if, if you don't know how to survive, how to have the mental fortitude to adapt and overcome, you know, it's all the, all the beans in the world aren't going to make any difference. You know, speaking of beans and stuff like that, luckily my wife has a, very strong, I'll call it nesting instinct to where every time she goes to the store, and this is a good thing, she'll buy a couple of extra cans of something that we're not going to eat, you know, not right now. But if you look at our pantry, dude, I mean, when COVID hit, it's like, okay, even if the electricity goes out, we've got enough canned goods to last for a while. And that that's a good thing. Because, you know, you can have a full refrigerator, but as Josh will tell you with those hurricanes, that those refrigerators get hot fast, man, inside. Everything's going to go bad. You know, um, like Josh said, we have a couple of friends who are serious preppers. I think uh, one guy's name is Tom, right? Right, Josh? Tom? Yeah. 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 Tom. Yeah. Tom's a, a serious, serious prepper. And we'll, we'll have, we'll, we'll get Tom on here uh, maybe next month. And another guy, uh, Ryan, Ryan was on with his wife, Kristen. Uh, you guys remember talking about the kids that they adopted. Ryan is a serious prepper. I mean, well, he knows a lot about it, and uh, he's very common sense approach. He's actually written a couple books, uh, sci-fi, dystopian. But he he sent this to me. So get this, he sent this to me because he's done the math on it. And if you want an idea of what it would take for like not even subsistence living, but to be somewhat comfortable with a full belly for a family of six, this is what you'd need. And this is for about a 2,000 calorie per day diet that will definitely keep you alive and you probably wouldn't lose any weight. So daily, it's going to be one cup of oatmeal, one half cup of beans, 1.5 cups rice, one half cup vegetable oil, one quarter cup lemon juice to fend off the, uh, the scurvy, and uh, about 1.5 grams of salt. So that's, a, that's daily, okay? And that's for a family of six. Total per day, about 2,000 calories. So get this. This is what you'd have to have for a year. Okay, of that 
oatmeal, 370 pounds. Dried beans, 365 pounds. He said those come in one pound bags. So you get 365 pound <laughs> bags. So rice is 1,460 pounds. And you can get 50 pound bags of rice at Sam's. Lemon juice, 35 gallons, and salt, eight pounds. Dude, that not only is that a lot of food, that's a lot of storage area. I mean, think about it. That's for a year. Okay. And and then, you know, and then it goes on, you know, if you have just a year during that year, if it's going to go on for longer than a year, societal collapse, you're going to have to start planning in that year for what you're going to eat the next year. You know, if that's all you have, and it's like, at that point, where do you live? You know, uh, again, I'll go back to the water thing. You're going to raise a garden. That's great. And people always say, I want to raise a garden. I want to raise a victory garden. You know how big your garden's got to be to feed a family? To feed even two people. And, and shit takes time to grow. And guess what it needs? It needs water. You know, I mean, it's it's tough stuff. And, and hunting, that's great. I mean, as long as you live in an area that's, uh, you know, has some game. There's not much game here in Slovenia, dude. There's just not. And fishing, you know, that's good. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard work. You're burning calories while you're hunting, right, Josh? I mean, I, dude, it's, it's, if you've ever hunted, dude, I, Ryan will tell you, even sitting up in a, in a tree stand when it's cold outside early in the morning, you're burning calories doing that. And, you know, it's, there's just a lot, so much to think about. Like I said, there's so much to unpack. At first we thought, oh, this will be an easy episode, you know, knock this out. But man, I mean, there's just a, a lot to talk about. Uh, you know, and, and Roger, I think he's actually scared to go down the apocalypse route because, but that's what people want to hear, man. They want to hear about zombie apocalypse, figuratively speaking, where, you know, EMPs across the world and bam, dude, now you're on your own. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure Tom and Ryan can go down that road, but I, I think Roger's scared. You know, I tell you, I'm glad you asked because we, We've been given the 30,000 foot level view of, you know, preppers and, and survival and, and this and that. And, you know, at the very beginning, we talked about prepping for what? What are you preparing for? And I think we've broken it down to several different, you know, time spans. You, you have your typical day, lights go out, electricity goes out. You know, do you really need to do a whole lot? Probably not. You probably have something in your house. You have enough to get you through the day unless you're a bachelor and you just have absolutely nothing. But then you get to where, like Josh was talking about hurricanes, where I spent a large part of my time in, in Maryland. Um, so not quite as bad. Uh, I shouldn't say not quite, not nearly, nowhere close to Florida. But uh, as far as, you know, how long you're without power and the amount of damage. But at that point, you're looking at, you know, now can you go seven days? Uh, can you go two weeks, right? So there's some actions there that you're going to take uh, from getting over that one day, hey, my power went out to the seven days of two weeks. And then I think where it gets more difficult is go to that one month period. Uh, now, what do you have to have to get to that one month period, that two month period, that four month period? And then beyond that, and this is kind of Luke and I were talking about this earlier, and, and I kind of subscribe. It wasn't really a theory, but uh, one of our listeners, Chris, who, who's been on the show before, uh, and Luke, even you brought up the second point, but he brought up, hey, adapt. Because I think a lot of my, a lot of my theories to that is, you know, I can, I believe I can reasonably get away with probably three to four months with what I have right now as far as food. 
Um, you know, again, we're not eating filet mignons every night. We're just talking about hitting the 2000 calories or something close to it, keeping your belly full, staying healthy, having water. So, you know, I could probably get to that three or four month mark, but I believe that if we get beyond that and you get to, and maybe most people don't even see that, you know, get to that point. But once you get beyond that, you do get to that apocalyptic and we're not talking about COVID. We're out of toilet paper. All right. We're talking about like no shit. You were providing what you have. You were eating what you have. You were wiping your ass with what you have in the closet, that type of stuff. So I think when you get to that point, you're, you're getting that, that apocalyptic mode. And at that point, I'm not sure anybody's truly prepared for it. So now it becomes, you know, being able to adapt. And, and and how can you adapt to your situation? How are you going to live in this new world? Because I don't know if, if you guys have ever seen Naked and Afraid on um, Discovery Channel. Fantastic show, right? Because you've got folks that go out there and just like, hey, man, you've got your fire starter and like a pot. And I think now they let you carry three items. So you've got a pot because before you had to choose two. Now you have a knife, a pot and a fire starter, no clothes, make it on your own. And some of these folks truly thrive. So then you have to say, okay, if I go beyond four and six months, it's like you're saying with having the whole year's worth of food. Hey, at some point in there, you have to realize that, wow, this is not a short-term solution. This is not a short-term fix. And now I'm going to have to find some way to either grow food, hunt food, but to keep things coming in to replenish what I have. And not just replenish, but continue to survive. The other piece that I thought uh, – uh, Luke brought up very, you know, good that that Josh he didn't even know about this, but he kicked on it was was bartering, okay? Because you're going to get to a point where you're going to have to adapt, right? But the next thing is going to be, and it kind of takes you back to the old days uh, where you're going to have to have bar- you're at the barter. It's either going to be goods or some skill set that you have to be able to survive. Now the fortunate thing is, unless we just get not you know wiped out by a nuke and and you know the the blast you know knocks all your houses down and it's not i think we can reasonably expect at least while i'm out here you know in arizona maybe not necessarily florida that at least i'll have somewhere to live so you know again fortunately it's one of those words that okay i think my house is probably going to be standing if it's not i probably have bigger issues than that uh than you know how many pounds of beans i have in my closet or whatever but there does come to a point where uh, you have to say, hey, what can I really bring to the table here? And, you know, Josh talked about it a little bit about setting up his tent, but it's, I keep saying this, you know, I, I actually keep a magnesium strip and I keep one just in case and I keep a sharp knife. And, and, and there's certain things that's like, hey, you know, there are a lot of things I don't know how to do. Start a fire, you know, isn't one of them. I can start a fire. I have water to drink. I have food. And then from there, it's like, okay, what are you going to do to be able to keep surviving? What are you going to be able to do to, you know, like Luke said, once you eventually start a community, because that's what's going to happen. If you get to that mode, you know, you're going to hang out with your neighbors. You're going to get together and hopefully you get three or four or five of you together. And at that point, and I take this from Naked and Afraid XL that's on there right now, you know, playing with, uh, they've got five or six members in a tribe. It's like, hey, what do you bring to the table? What can you do to survive? What can you do to help us survive? So we get to the... It's not to skirt the issue. I just think once you get beyond that three or four months, and maybe for most people in America, maybe even before then, if you get to that point where you are truly stuck to eating just what you have in your pantry and stuck to surviving off purely what you have in your house, I think you hit that apocalyptic mode before three or four months. And at that point, the game's changed. And I'm not sure you can truly foresee them. I think you, not to say that you shouldn't stock up food and you shouldn't have the water, but at that point the environment, the operating environment is going to change and, and you're going to be forced to adapt and, and, and based off your skill sets, you know, what you can bring to the table going forward. So Josh, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it doesn't, you know, it, you're, you're definitely certain people obviously have certain skill sets, certain people have certain tolerances, right? You know, I, I love my air conditioning. I don't like to be hot. 
I've been to enough hot places on the earth. I don't want to be hot ever again. Right. It comes back to that. Okay. You're not going to be comfortable, but you're going to be alive. And so, you know, you take it and, you know, the people talk about the post apocalyptic stuff and every, cause everybody likes that. Everybody likes, you know, the walking dead and, you know, government's broken down and everything like that. You don't even have to get to that point to have a significant emotional event and be in a, a, a true no shit survival situation. And so you look at the supply chain and how it has been stressed and in places broken during COVID-19, right? And so that's not even, you know, that's not a post-apocalyptic situation that, you know, government is still there. Government is still in charge. Government is still running things, you know, I mean, you know, societal structure is still in place, but there was situations there where people were, you know, I mean, it was legitimately like supply chain is like, we don't know how we're going to provide this good, this service. And so, you know, you go back to 2016. So the Navy, the Coast Guard and the Washington State National Guard did a full scale nine day drill to test how they can respond to an earthquake in the Cascadia subduction zone. Right. So that covers Vancouver, Seattle, Portland, Northern California. Right. That doesn't even cover Southern California, you know, the San Andreas Fault and everything where incredibly active um, earthquake zone is. Right. So the conclusions that they came to is that it would be 10 days. Right. You think 10 days. There have been hurricanes that have knocked out power, you know, and services for longer than 10 days. So you're talking about 10 days. That's it to where they would have a full blown humanitarian crisis on their hands. Right. And if there was a major earthquake in that region, there's a major fault line that runs through that region. Approximately about a million people would be without water. Right. We're talking about going and turning your faucet on water for months, not days, but months. Right. And so Luke spoke to it. You can survive without water about 72 hours. Right. I don't know how the longest I've gone without water is. I don't even think it's been 24 hours, you know, but I, I'm a fat kid. Like I got a lot of fat that needs saturating. Like I need my water. You know, I, <laughs> I got to drink. <laughs> I got to drink my water. If you go, you know, 72 hours, I don't even know that I could make it 72 hours without water. Like I would probably go, you know, shove my face in the first mud puddle that I saw, you know, if I had to go more than 24 hours without water and I make a poor decision and wind up with dysentery and just die from dehydration. Um, but you think about that 10 days, 10 days, full blown humanitarian crisis. You think about how long, so the military, Right. As good as we are with our water purification units, with our response on everything inside the U.S. border, inside the U.S. border, it takes on average eight days to provide a response. Right. And I don't want to get I'm I'm not going to get into the politics of COVID and, you know, sending the, you know, the USS Hope to, you know, New York Harbor. Um, you know, after that, everything like that. But you think eight days, that's a weekend a day. I mean, literally, that is a weekend a day before, if it's in place, you know, the United States government can provide some relief, provide some assistance, eight days. You can't survive more than 70, you know, three without water. So you do the math from there. And some of you stupid people, you won't be able to do the math. So that's five days too late for you. All right. 
for those of you on the common core math thing and for you, you stupid asses out there, that's five days too late. And you know what? Maybe that's just Darwin culling the herd with you. Maybe we'll be stronger afterwards. So maybe it is a good thing. I don't know. We'll get into that now. But I do I do appreciate Carlton Zeus's uh, challenge. And I will absolutely, at the end of this episode, I will absolutely name off a list of groups that can go fuck themselves. I apologize to uh, Luke's mom and my mom. <laughs> Go ahead and get that out there. Um, I know Roger's mom doesn't listen to to our podcast. so it doesn't My matter. mom quit after week one. Friends and family. <laughs> Friends and yep. family, baby. <laughs> hey, Luke brought up a great point, man. Friends and family, the first ones always let you down, right? Um, so, <laughs> you know, with this, it's – you know, absolutely. Water, food, it's a lot to unpack. The, the whole prepper thing, you know, when I started diving into it, it was, you know, like Luke spoke earlier before, you know, before we jumped on here, talking about Wikipedia, right? He looks up one thing on Wikipedia, and the next thing you know, he's reading about the French Revolution, right? <laughs> it's just it's one of those rabbit holes. You can go down so many with the prepping thing, but, it, you know, at the end of the day, you know, what we started out with, you know, first you got to survive. You have to have that financial and, you know, health foundation, good health foundation, you know, to, to survive, you know, and then getting your home ready. What's in your house? What can you survive on? What does it truly take to survive? Not be comfortable, but survive, right? Because you're not, you're not talking about being comfortable. You're just going to, you're just going to be uncomfortable. And that's it. Hey man, Hurricane Kate rolled into the panhandle of Florida. I want to say, oh man, I can't remember. I think it was 1986. I was a kid, right? And that was like, dude, that was like in September. It's Florida. It's still, bro, it's still 90 degrees outside. You know, it's like 85 at night with, you know, 80% relative humidity. You, you know, luckily my dad had a you know a little generator, but it didn't run the air conditioning. It just ran the refrigerator and maybe the coffee pot because he refused to go without coffee. And it's probably a good thing because if my dad went without coffee, he would probably murder all of us the next day. You know, and we were without power for we were without power for two. I want to say about two weeks. We were out without other than our refrigerator and dad's wow. coffee pot running. We were without power for about two weeks because it came up into the panhandle of Florida. It came up into the Big Bend. It 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 made landfall about 45, 50 miles south of Tallahassee. And it was a cat three, man. And, it, you know, it again, it, it was just it was all about the timing. It, you know, it made landfall a high tide, which mean the flood surge was, you know, as bad as it could be. Like it was just all bad. It was bad, like black bush, like black bush, you know, whiskey. It's just bad, <laughs> just terrible, you know. <laughs> and so it, uh, you know, and so for you know weeks we were uncomfortable, but we never we didn't go hungry and we didn't go without water. Why? Because Dad was out there, made a fire, and on his you know on his Coleman stove. You know, until we ran out of propane bottles, dad was boiling water. You know, he was boiling drinking water, um, you know, because the generator was big enough to run the, you know, the refrigerator and the coffee pot, but it wasn't big enough to run the pump on our well, you know. And so he was literally out there, you know, boiling water. So that's where those skills come into play. You know, it's like, can you build a fire? Right? If you can make a fire, you can cook, you can boil water, you can purify water to drink. You know, you can do a lot of things with that. You know, can you sew clothes? Can you... You know, those things, those skills are going to come into play. Nobody cares about your lesbian dance theory degree. Nobody cares about your fucking liberal arts degree. You know, when when the time comes, it's like, hey, man, 
I tell you what, I got some food. You don't have any, but I got a carburetor on a vehicle that needs to be rebuilt. Oh, you know how to rebuild a carburetor? Maybe I rebuild my carb and I'll give you two days worth of food, you know, shit like that. And I know, you know, we, not everything's going to be apocalyptic. And we kind of broke this down into three categories and we're just kind of hitting the wave tops, getting that mentality. The biggest, your, your biggest asset, I think in all of this is your will to survive your will to make it through, right? That, I, there is nothing out there that can break, that can, you know, undo somebody's will to survive. You either have it or you don't, you know, you can't go buy it. You can't train it. You either have it or you don't, your will to survive, you know, and we'll have some folks like Luke uh, talked about earlier, you know, getting Tom and Ryan on here, guys who are doing this and have been doing this for years, you know, to talk about, you know, the ins and outs of the different aspects of prepping. Cause yeah, man, you can run down some real, real rabbit holes on, on the whole prepping thing. So, um, I'll throw it over to, uh, to Luke. Cause I think I've rambled a little, uh, a little too much and I'm going to drink some more of my, uh, new riff single barrel rye. Well, it's funny. Uh, we were, Josh brought up, yeah, we were talking about the Wikipedia. I do that once a day. I'll go down the Wikipedia rabbit hole and it's like the movie inception. It's like, where did that idea come from? You know, where I ended up on the French revolution today and you know where I started out, I was, I was eating my lunch of salad. I ate a freaking salad today. So, so weak, so girly, <laughs> but anyway, I, I don't know why, but I, I typed in, uh, because I was thinking about, uh, so stupid. I was thinking about uh, plasma, right? And I heard that there's like plasma when they make uh, concentrate like uh, orange juice. So I looked up orange juice concentrate on Wikipedia and wound up with a freaking French Revolution. I don't know how it got there. I got a, I got a few last thoughts, you know. First of all, I'll start off by saying, you know, Josh triggered something in my mind there. I uh, can't remember exactly what he said because he rambled so long, but Basically, my mind settled on equal opportunity, right? It's like all this, you know, this culture of social justice warriors and stuff like that. When the shit hits the fan, like Josh said, can you repair my carburetor? I don't care if you're black, white, Native American, Chinese. It does not matter. You know what else doesn't matter? It doesn't matter if you're gay or not. What do you add to the fight of survival by being gay, black, white? Uh, trans, it doesn't matter. You either have it or you don't. And, you know, maybe that's what we need, you know, to to shock everybody into what the fuck, man, we're all human. And it's not about, you know, Martin Luther King, man, just read his his speech, dude. But, you know, but the survival instinct, Josh, you know, like you were saying, you either have it or you don't. But I really think that 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 goes into the, the, the hierarchy of needs kind of thing. You know, if all you're doing is providing yourself your physiological needs, water, food, and, you know, uh, you know, shelter, if you don't have anything else fulfilling you, where's your need to survive? You know, that, that pyramid Maslow's hierarchy of needs actually makes a lot of sense because the higher you go, the more you're willing to live, you know? So you, you kind of do need those things. You need to survive first. Yeah. So that you can, have some sort of fulfillment so you can keep surviving. So it's not all about nothing. So that's one thing to think about with the whole prepping thing. I mean, you don't need your game of Thrones book, but maybe you need a few games you can play with your family without having to pull out a board, you know, and knowing how to talk and relate to people, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll try my hand at telling people to go fuck themselves here. And I'll start out with a quick story. You know, 
I, there was a couple of times, two times in my life that I was close to dying of thirst, uh, both actually in Afghanistan. And, um, dude, I'll tell you, you'd be surprised. You know, I heard a story before I was in Afghanistan about a kid from 519th who drank, uh, condensation water off of a, an air conditioner. And, uh, I found myself in the exact same situation as that kid, if that story was even true. And I was, I, I was dying of thirst. My tongue was swelling and we walked into a place that had a, an AC and the only water in there was out on that condensation pan. And we all took turns drinking from that mosquito infested water condensation pan because the body starts playing tricks on you. I challenge anyone who's going to cast stones at those kids in the Andes that, you know, you know, uh, resorted to cannibalism, you go and push the limits of hunger, go push the limits of being thirsty. And you see where that takes your mind. You will really see the survival instincts start to kick in. You will definitely see that. And you'll be surprised at how your mind starts playing tricks on you as far as what can I eat? What can I drink to stay alive? So before you go casting stones, oh, I would never do that. I would never eat that. Yes, you would. You're human. And this is where I'm going to tell some people to go fuck themselves. Sorry, mom. Sorry, Josh's mom. But these people who are all about guns and ammo, you know, we, we've we've hit on this a few times. I'm going to hit on it one last time. I would never be like that. But if all you've got is guns and ammo and you go, you miss three to six meals and you don't have any water, you're going to you're going to find other people who only have guns and ammo and you're going to start raiding, you know, food distribution centers and stuff like that. You're saying right now, no, I wouldn't do that. No, no, I have. No, if you're hungry, if you're truly hungry, not just with an appetite, with your stomach growling, but on the on the verge of death, you'd be surprised what you'd do. So you know what? That's just irresponsible, dude. If that's your means of survival is having guns and ammo, I got, you can go fuck yourself because I got something for you. You come by my house, I've already been looking into how to make my own homemade claymores, and it will come to that. <laughs> so... It, it will come to that. You know, one of the things I, I did, I, I love talking about the barter thing because as I was preparing in San Antonio, I was, you know, when I would go to the store, I'd, I'd look at cheap things and be like, well, shit really goes down. There ain't going to be no price gouging laws. So what can I pick up? And the stuff I was picking up was, uh, you know, extra pepper and spices, you know, uh, ammunition, 22 ammunition. I didn't have a 22. I had a 22 pistol, but I'm not going to use that. I have 22 ammunition, seeds, water purification, lighters, water purification tablets, that is, lighters, 99-cent pack of eight lighters, and sugar. You know, sugar and pepper and spices, I'm telling you, if the shit goes down, people will pay for that. People will pay for the sugar, the pepper, and the spices. And if you look at pepper and spices, the cost-to-weight ratio is really, really good. Because people are going to want that comfort. They're going to want those uh, spices. They're definitely going to want that sugar. So anyway, those are my thoughts. I'll kick it to Roger and have Josh tell everybody to go F themselves. And then uh, and we'll prepare for the next episode. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Luke. Good points. And I know that we didn't really cover a lot of specifics. I, I think Luke, he asked me a couple of specifics and, you know, I gave some 30,000 foot answers and, you know, refused to be, you know, painting a corner on anything concrete. But you know, one of the websites, and I just gurgled this and pulled this up. So just for some of those that are interested in this, and and like Luke and, and Josh mentioned, we have some subject, you know, subject matter experts out there. And on a future episode, uh, we want to bring them in so they can, you know, talk specifics. Because I think that's part of it is 
I'm not a uh, subject matter expert, uh, neither of the other two. So bring in some folks that can actually talk about what they've done, some of the challenges, some of the things that those that are interested out there in doing uh, should do. But just pulled up from the prepared.com. You know, it's a home checklist summary, uh, and I'll run down it real quick, not to get, you know, I don't want to labor the point too much, but water is talking about, you know, store 15 gallons of potable water per person, roughly one gallon per day. And of course, this is over a smaller period of time. Talking about food, uh, roughly 1,500 calories a day per person. Uh, the ability to make fire, light, heating and cooling, shelter. Uh, a good one that Luke brought up previously, we were talking about it was, I didn't even think about it, was medical. Uh, there's a lot of folks out there that are on prescriptions, uh, not necessarily medical, but, you know, he spoke about contacts and glasses. Uh, you know, do you have enough contacts to make through the, the time period that you need to? Do you, uh, in, in light or uh, if you're out of contacts, do you have eyeglasses that you can wear? Because uh, I'm sure it sucked pretty bad not to be able to fucking see for an extended period of time. So, you know, the medical, when you get to prescriptions, your your hygiene items, uh, communication. We saw this in the uh, the earthquake back in D.C. What year was that? It was like. 2014, 13, something like that, right? Yeah, it was like 2012, 2013. I remember we do. We were on mission, and I yeah. felt my car bouncing up and down. I was like, "What the fuck?" It was like, "Oh shit, we just had an earthquake." I, I actually thought Josh was jumping on my trunk, but the funny thing is, we were on mission, and we all had CB radios, and we were the only ones with comms because the cell phone infrastructure went out. Uh, so you know, you get down to communications, power. That's a big one, right? Uh, it's not just flip a switch and this stuff works. You know, when you get to power, it's got to come from somewhere. So you flip the switch, it doesn't work. Hey, do you have a generator? And more importantly, do you have fuel for that generator? Uh, when you look at, you know, even getting a 55-gallon fuel drum, how long is that truly going to last you? Uh, you get down to tools, which a lot of this stuff, you know, a lot of people have. Uh, self-defense. We talked about finances. A large part of that is not just having the ability to make your house payment and this and that or whatever, but cash. Uh, as much as you can reasonably afford to stash because at the end of the day, it's not going to be like, hey, let me run down here to the ATM machine. Uh, you may resort to, to having, you know, how much cash you have on hand. Uh, mental health. You know, you talk about, you know, what Luke just talked about, Maslow's uh, theories and, and, and as you move up that that pyramid. And I think that's a lot of what you're seeing right now. I mean, don't get me wrong. Some people are just rioting and looting because they're complete, you know, fucking assholes. But, you know, th- th- the base of that pyramid is being met but there are needs up top that aren't. And, and as you start to see that, people go crazy. They get stir crazy, uh, and they start to go a little nuts. So, you know, mental health. Uh, you know, we get into documents as far as copy of deeds, title insurance policies, et cetera, and then local and emergency information that, that, that you may need. So with that, uh, you know, future episode, we are going to bring some more folks in that, that can speak a little smarter on it than we, than we can and we have uh, that will address uh, some more specifics. So I'm going I'm to kick it around the horn one more, la- one more time because I know Josh has got a list that he's prepared for us. Uh, I'm not sure if it's comparable to Letterman's 10 list, top 10 list or whatever. But I also want to throw out uh, one other question. Uh, you guys want to give an update on the uh, weight loss situation here and, and you know, where we stand? I don't know why you're. Uh, I don't know why you're bringing up old shit, but uh, you know, with the weight loss thing. <laughs> you guys still doing that? Hey, I'm telling you, man. I'm like, I'm trying to send you guys some ho hos because I actually want the bottle of uh, of scotch. So, hey, so one thing, right? So big shout out to Will for, uh, for you know for doing that. I, you know, sincerely appreciated. I'm absolutely trying to uh, you know trying to become the owner of that bottle of scotch. 
but <laughs> but man, like this bourbon's really good, um, and this rye, this rye whiskey is really good. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, you know. So all right, so so to you know give that shout out to Carlton Zeus and, and and accept the challenge of the group of people that can go go fuck themselves, right? So I, there was a message uh, from from Carlton. About you know it was, I think last episode maybe episode before when it was like you know we were giving shout outs to some of our listeners and our listener in Taiwan right it was like if you're a Ministry of State Security guy you can go fuck yourself right so I'm gonna go ahead all right you know alibi Luke's mom I apologize uh, my mom I apologize you raised a better son I'm just trying to be a better version you know of me every day so. <laughs> <laughs> So a list of people off the top of my head that can go go fuck themselves. Um, so I'm going to start with the Boogaloo crowd. You can go fuck yourself, right? Those people, the Boogaloo crowd, I kind of couple those with the same people who are like, I just need to stop all guns and ammo and I'm going to go take other people's shit, you know, in, uh, in a pandemic and, you know, post-apocalypse situation. I got something for you. Come on by. Come on by my house. I'm going to hook your ass up and I'll, I'll turn you into, you know, the next fucking steak and meat on my, on my fire pit in my backyard because I got, that, you know, we'll, we'll straight fucking Andy's you. Um and uh, let's see who else, right? So if you're racist, you can go fuck yourself. If you're, you know, uh, everybody associated that was on Jeffrey Epstein's flights, you can go fuck yourself uh, as well. And let's see, BLM, you can go fuck yourself. Uh, everybody ripping down statues and virtue signaling, you can go fuck yourself. And uh, Everybody that is a hypocrite in any way, shape, or form, you can go fuck yourself too, right? So specifically, those people who talk about, you know, how America is stolen land from the Native Americans, but you're not willing to give up your house and your yard to the nearest Native American. Guess what? You're a hypocrite. You can go fuck yourself. Um, let's see. White. Oh, let's see. I, I want to say right now, the people in my crosshairs and probably the worst, shittiest, most deplorable people on earth right now are white leftists. Um, you can go fuck yourselves, too, right, with your hypocrisy and your virtue signaling. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Go fuck yourself with a big old. went there i did i did i went there and you know i'm not gonna apologize so that's it that's a wrap from uh from me i'm uh, i'm good <laughs> well how do you follow that Woo! i think josh forgot one thing one thing one one group of people he forgot the apache junction school board karens and joe six packs so they can go f themselves too uh i, I got that in there for roger um yeah, man, dude, all those, all those people you told, all those groups, those are, those are maybe some future podcast episodes right there, man. Holy cow. I mean, we talk about Epstein, my God, some crazy stuff. You know, uh, I really don't have much more to say, Roger, uh, other than, um, you know, this is, is a good topic, uh, whichever one of you guys came up with it. I think, uh, we can really go places with this. I'm looking forward to uh, talking about it again. 
Hey, thanks for, uh, you know, jabbing me with my school board. I'm not going to get into it now because I think we're already like an hour and a half into this thing. But, you know, I'm, I'm disappointed in myself. I, you know, I said that a little bit earlier and, and Josh tells me that he's disappointed me every day. And that's that's pretty typical. But uh, disappointed myself because some people are renting some space in my head for free. Uh, so I'll get into that a little bit later down the road with the school district or what have you. But. Uh, real quick, you know, again, we just want to thank everybody else for listening out there. Thank all of our listeners. Uh, be sure to check us out on YouTube as well as the podcast. Um, you know, a couple of things that we want to do, plug, uh, plug Luke and, and, and Josh's book. Get on Amazon. If you haven't bought it, get out there, buy the book, spend the $13. It goes to a, uh, it goes to a great cause. Uh, again, we want to throw a, a shout out to Carlton Zeus. Thanks for continuing to listen to, to our podcast. If, uh, you know, after this one here, if if Luke uh, reaches out to him, he still listens. Hopefully, he'll let us continue to, to use his music. And, and one last thing, and probably the most important thing uh, to hoard, you know, with uh, you know all this talk about prepping is Cobra Canteen Cup episodes, right? So you can have all the food that you want. You have you can have all the water that you want. Uh, you can have all the money that you want, the guns and the ammo or whatever. But if you really want to fulfill those needs at the top of that pyramid, uh, you need to have all what, what are we at now? 23 episodes of uh, Culper's Canteen Cup, because I, I think the post-apocalyptic world is going to be pretty fucking boring. Uh, so you'll definitely want as many of these episodes are, are out at that time. So with that said, uh, I just want to say stay safe and uh, keep your canteen cups tightly secured. Until next time, stay frosty.